We're in this series called This Is Us, and I think the longest I've ever gone on a series is maybe eight parts, but I got a feeling this one's going to break the record, because this is us. This is an important message for where we're going. How many has enjoyed This Is Us? Has it challenged you, church? Is it challenged you to be a giver? Is it challenged you to be a praiser? Is it challenged you to love people? Has it challenged you to connect and do life with people? If it hasn't, can I be blunt with you this morning? It ain't my fault. If you ain't connected, if you don't feel like you're doing life with somebody, if you ain't blessed, if you don't feel like the favor of God's on your life, it ain't my fault. Because I've done everything I can do humanly, mentally, preparation-wise, prayerfully to try to help you see this. So if you don't see it, it's your fault. It ain't God's fault. It ain't Donald Trump's fault. Come on, somebody. It ain't Larry Ragland's fault. It ain't Nancy Pelosi's fault. It's your fault. I thought you'd shout better than that. Somebody say this. This is us, and I'm a part of us. It's up to me to receive it. I preach to, like my mama used to say, till I'm blue in the face. But if you don't get it, you don't receive it. It ain't going to be planted. Planted. Well, how? What a segue. Number thing, first thing on your notes is this this is us. We are planted. This is us. We are planted. Glory to God. Are you thankful that you're planted in a church that stood the test of time for 25 years? Are you thankful that we could have quit and give up, but God held on this house long enough for you to come and be a part of it? Are you thankful that you've been planted in a life-giving church? That no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter how much money you got, no matter what your last name is, who your mama was, who your daddy was, whether you know your mama or your daddy, whether you're born in the trailer park or born in a gated community, it doesn't matter if you're breathing or you're thankful that you're in a church, that if you're breathing, you're welcome. Oh, I thought I'd get a better shout than that. Are you thankful for a church that loves you? See, you can't just go to church. You, first of all, you are the church. But it's more than just being the church. You got to be planted. You got to dig down deep. Somebody say amen. amen. See, I love this book. Many years ago when we was in a little white building in Trafford, Alabama, I was exposed to a book that was a game changer for this house. It was called Armor Bearer. By Terry Nance. That book's about that big. I read it all in just a couple of hours. But I've probably read it 20 times since then. Every year or two, I pull it off the shelf and I read the whole thing. I go back and it's so highlighted. It's, it's been turned over and preached from and pounded from the pulpit. And it's taped together. It's barely even standing. Stay, sticking together. Now, they don't even make those versions anymore. You got to get the, the combined version and all that. But I got the original, man. Then he come out with a second book called Armor Bearer Book 2. And the subtitle was Bloom Where You Are Planted. Somebody say, Bloom Where You Are Planted. 
Next thing on your notes is this. You can't bloom if you are not planted. There had never been a flower bloom in midair without being planted. Huh? See, you, want, you, you tell the Lord, I want to be used by you, God. I don't feel like my gifts are being used. I don't feel like that the, enough doors have oper- opened up to me. God, why am I not able to do what I know you called me to do? I think you need to look down and check and see if you're floating in the air on your own or if you've been planted. Because you can't bloom if you ain't been planted. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. See, when you are planted... You can take root. Slap your neighbor and tell him, tell him, wake up and listen to your pastor. Would you not listen to pastor? Quit thinking about the Super Bowl. Quit thinking about what you're going to eat. You need to listen to me this morning. When you are planted, you can take root. But you can't take root if you ain't planted. Let me tell you something. The stronger the roots, your roots are, the stronger you will be able to face attacks and the storms of life. I'm going to tell you something. What keeps a tree standing when the wind is blowing is what's beneath the ground. It ain't what you see. It's the unseen. Are y'all hearing me? But I've got news for you in the, in the American church. And it's around the world, but it's worse in the American church, I think, than anywhere, maybe Europe. But America, what's happened to Europe, America is headed in that direction. There is an epidemic of Christians who are weak in their faith. I didn't call them weak people. I call them weak in their faith in God. They claim that they know God, but they deny the power of God. They, they say that God answers prayer, but they never pray. They say there's power in his word, but they never read it. Am I preaching right? Compromise has replaced truth. Our roots are now shallow. The church used to be a, a cornerstone of a community. Now it's, it's irrelevant. The, the lake is the cornerstone. The, the park is the cornerstone. The golf course is the cornerstone. Your, somebody's bed is the cornerstone of the weekend. Are you hearing me? Netflix has become the cornerstone of a family. As a result, millions upon millions are leaving the church. Churches are closing down faster than they're being planted. I got news for you. See, somebody said, well, you don't know the future. You know, I know I can't predict the future, but there are some things I know. Huh? Let me tell you one thing I know. And it ain't got tied, it is not tied to me being where I'm at right now. If I killed over tomorrow, but I don't plan on that because I'm about to be a papa and I'm going to live for a long time. But just saying that right now, just go ahead and saying that right now. Come on. But I got news for you. This church will never close down. I may not be the pastor, but Solid Rock Church will still be praising when Jesus comes back. I'm telling you, why? Why? This is us, baby. We got a foundation. We got roots. 
We ain't going nowhere. I don't know what y'all laughing at and I don't want to know. Let me tell you something. We got to guard our hearts. Look at your neighbor and tell them, guard your heart. Let me tell you something. The heart is the seedbed for the spiritual roots of your life. That's where things are planted on the inside of you. How many of those? It's not the brain. Some people think it's the brain. No, listen, you can have it up here, but not in here. Huh? You can have surface knowledge, but not have heart knowledge. But when it gets in your heart, your heart will override what you see and what you hear. Are y'all hearing me? I'm trying to preach this morning. You've got to guard your heart because that's what the devil's coming after. That's where the roots are. The devil is trying to uproot the foundations of our faith. He's picking away little by little at the things that are sacred to God. Doctrinal truths are now being called opinions. I'm tired of preachers under the guise of trying to fit into this culture. Trying to tell me that what it says is not what it meant. I don't need your opinion on what it meant. If I read, thou shalt not kill. If I read, oh, I'm going to be playing with y'all this morning. I, 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 we ain't live streaming today, by the way, because we're recording to this. Live stream is down. It's probably good because some of the things I'm going to say today might get me banned. If it says to the prophet, I knew you before you were even in the womb of your mama and called you by name, you don't get to decide whether that child is alive or not. You don't get to say that. You ain't got permission. You ain't got permission. Huh? We're going to tell it in this church. We're going to preach the truth in this house. Somebody shout, this is us. I sit in a room and watch my 13-week grandbaby on a screen, worshiping God, putting his hand, putting her hands up, his hand, probably a her, probably going to be a girl, putting her hands up, just worshiping God, kicking and praising God. I kept saying, my God, he's a praiser, she's a praiser. I kept saying that over and over, put his little hand up, I saw all the five fingers, opened up his mouth, saw his eyes, saw his nose, everything, turning around, 13 weeks. First of all, you're going to try to kill a 13-week-old, but now, all over this country, they're trying to kill them moments before regular childbirth. Somebody's got to stand up and tell them. Somebody's got to stand up and say, you don't get that right. I don't care what anybody else tells you. And I know you're going to buck up and say, well, you ain't got no right to tell me what I'm going to do with my body. I ain't trying to tell you nothing about your body. 
I ain't trying to tell you to get saved. I ain't trying to tell you to get healed. I ain't trying to tell you anything. I'm just trying to tell you what he told you. And it's up to you with what you do with it. You can call me a hate monger if you want to, and I'm not a hate monger. I love people for where they're at and who they are. But I'm going to have to stand before God one day and give an account for the word that I preach. I'm stirred up. People are losing our faith because when they look at us, they see weakness. If you want to get somebody free from alcohol abuse or free from drug abuse, you got to give them something better than Jack Daniels. You got to give them something better than heroin. You can't tell a heroin addict what I get, what I'm offering you pales in comparison to how you feel when you're shooting a needle in your arm. You got to show them the power of God is greater than anything you could ever put inside of you. Next thing you notice is this, when you are rooted, you are not easily uprooted. When you are rooted, you are not easily uprooted. I'll tell you another epidemic problem in church, offense. And when offense comes on you, I got news for you, offense comes on everybody. Y'all, y'all, can I just tell y'all, y'all offend me. Y'all always talking about how I offend you, can I go ahead and tell you right now, you offend me. There's a bunch of people in this house that's offended me. And it ain't because I'm the pastor. It's because I believe in, and I'm, I'm a man of God, and this is where God has placed me, not just the pastor. This is my church. I ain't going to leave my church just because you said something stupid. I ain't going to leave my church just because you didn't do what I asked you to do or what I thought you ought to do. You want to put me under a microscope? Let me put you under one. Huh? When the fence comes on you, and it will come on you, whether it's a church, in your family, at your work, that's when you find out what you're made of. That's when you find out how deep your roots go. That's when you find out if you really love that job like you said you loved that job. That's when you find out if you really are committed to your husband and committed to your wife. When they've done something to offend you. That's when you find out, well, are you going to fight or are you going to quit? Are you going to uproot and go find you another branch to get, get up with? The first sign of trouble in your life, the first sign of trouble, this is us. Somebody say, this is us. You say it with your mouth, but do you believe it in your heart? Because if you're contemplating leaving this church, that's just words. You ain't, it ain't in your heart. If this is really you, if this is where God sent you, if I'm supposed to be your pastor, then you don't entertain the thought of uprooting and finding another church. I'm not trying to run your life. I'm not saying people won't ever leave the church. I'm not trying to tell you that God can't move you. I'm just saying you shout, this is us, but is it really you? If it really is, you ain't us because of what I say. You ain't us because of what I give you permission to do. You ain't us about because I shake your hand or I didn't shake your hand or gave you time or didn't give you time. I wish I had somebody help me. When a person hops from church to church, 
They, but the problem is, they get mad at the preacher or somebody in the church, but the problem is inside of them, and the roots are tainted, and they put roots down in another place, and the next thing you know, they're shocked that that church is producing the same fruit that the last church they left is producing. And then the next one produces the same kind of fruit. And people will throw up their hands and say, you know what, I'm just tired of the church. Honey, what you probably need to do is go back and find what the common denominator is in every one of those churches that you had a problem with. Because here's the issue. They're all still having church and you're not even going anywhere. We have not been called to do life by ourselves. You know, my wife came to me one day. She said, I want fruit trees. Can you help me put some fruit trees in the yard? I said, of course. And I don't know nothing about planting, y'all. I don't know nothing about gardening, nothing. That's right. I was not offended by it. She goes, don't take this wrong, but I know you ain't got this. I need to get my daddy over here. My, my daddy will take care of this. I said, you do need to call your daddy because I don't have a clue. So Brother Darwood came over. And this is what I found out that day. You don't go buy an apple tree and plant it. You go buy two apple trees. Did, 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 was anybody like me didn't know that? Raise your hand. I, I was you, you don't plant an apple tree. You have to have two apple trees. You want a pear tree? You have to have two two pear trees. Two peach trees. Why? Because if you really want them to blossom, and if you really want them to produce, they have to have at least one other tree to cross-pollinate with. Can I be real with y'all? They're going to hook up. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to have one. You're going to have to have one boy peach tree and one girl peach tree. And when the wind starts blowing and the, leaf, and the flowers start blooming, you, you in your house watching Netflix and you don't even know what's going on out in your yard. Come on, somebody. They're getting together, y'all. They'll be like, hey, how long have you been here? Well, as long as you. Well, I've never seen you quite like I see you today. Well, come on over. (laughs) Am I preaching right? But you know what happens to a peach tree? Unless you're an expert like Larry Harper. Where's Larry at? There he is. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a green thumb right there, bro. 30 years was, was over the, the botanical gardens, y'all. He was the lead gardener at the botanical gardens, and God, in his retirement, sent him to us and gave him a ministry to take care of the plants and the, and the uh, landscaping outside. Can we show some love for all the work that Larry does? Come on. He works so hard. He comes out here a lot of times two or three times a week. One time I was out on the lawnmower cutting grass and I looked over and I saw him coming up over that little part, part in the middle there with a sledgehammer. In the middle of the day, he's just, just doing this in the grass. I said, what is he doing? 
And I pulled over there, and Larry brought a sledgehammer and busted up that rock that used to stick up out of the middle and put it in buckets and carried five-gallon buckets across the, the, the grass and dumped them in the creek over there just so he could plant some grass on top of that rock. Come on, brother. I appreciate you. Somebody say, this is us. By the way, I said that so maybe you can realize he might need some help. But I ain't no expert, but I found this out. Unless you're an expert like him, you plant a tree by itself. Many times, the growth of that tree will be stunted. Do you understand what I mean by stunted? Slowed down or halted. You ever seen a, a, a child? Many times, you may have a child uh, in your family, but it's no fault to the child. But many times, because of things that happen in the pregnancy, uh, or things that happen in the body of the mother, or maybe even tied to the father. You'll see, you know, a child that may not be growing at the pace of another child. And the, and the term they'll use for it is their growth has been stunted. Are you with me? Can I get an amen? Well, I want you to know something. The next thing on your notes is this. A life of stunted growth is a byproduct of shallow roots. A life of stunted growth is a byproduct of shallow roots. See, if you wonder why you can't ever seem to finish something, if you wonder why you can't ever seem to have God move in your life, it seems like it's about to happen only to be knocked back. You need to find out just how deep your roots go, not only in your church, but in God and in His Word. Some of y'all have been serving God long enough to be able to quote at least one scripture. Huh? You, be, you, you should be able, yeah, if you can't do anything, just quote John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. I heard one preacher say, look, if you got an anointing on you, you can whip the devil with the begats of Matthew, praise God. Just start saying, well, you know what, that dude begat the other dude, begat the other dude, begat the other dude in the name of Jesus. It's in the book of Matthew. See, the soil also can have a direct factor in the health of your roots. Because we planted two trees at a time all around the perimeter of our yard. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I know I'm going to butcher this, but I think this is right. She had two plum trees. No plum trees? I already butchered it? Okay. Okay. I'm not I don't want it in chronological order. I'm just talking about what you got out there, okay? Two plum trees, two apple trees, four apple trees? Okay, never mind. I'm moving on. Two different kinds of apple trees, okay. But they had, they had two of each, right? And I think pears? And is that it? Peaches. Peaches. Listen, you should be able to come to my house and get all the fruit you want. But I need to pay attention more, don't I? I didn't know what it was. I just dug a hole. I just dug a hole, man. And, and we got grapes. All right, listen. What, what, what? Do you want to preach this sermon? Okay. Oh! Ha, 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 ha. Woo! 
So you got a fan base that wants to hear you preach. But here's the thing. We did it like we're supposed to do it. But yet, a couple of them, we've had to pull up and go get new trees. Sitting right next to a tree that was flourishing. And one died and turned into like a rotten stick. But what we found out was this. See, where my house is, the former owner before we bought that land turned it into a dump. So they brought tires. They brought old car parts. And they just, because it was a valley up the top, and they just brought all this junk on the, in my backyard and just covered it with dirt. To this day, we built our house almost 19 years ago, 18 and a half years ago. There are still spots in our yard that is black and nothing will grow because it, it is the remnants of the dust of hundreds of tires being burned before we buried them. So when I cut the grass, just black dust goes everywhere because it's underneath there. When we pulled some of those trees up, we realized that the soil was black because it was trying to grow in dirt just 10 feet away, 12 feet away, 15 feet away from actual brown dirt. They, it looked the same. It was the same area. No, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. But they were, it was trying its best to grow in the midst of ash of a burnt rubber tire. So not only did we have to pull it up, we had to move it over just a little bit more and find actual dirt. Oh, come on, y'all hear me. Listen to what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Watch this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be what? Like a tree. What? Planted by the rivers of water. Watch what happens when you are planted correctly. That tree will bring forth its fruit in its season. Leaves will not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff with the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Listen, it really matters where you're planted. Some people, they just go to church. You can always tell somebody that's planted in a church and somebody that just goes to church. Because the ones that are planted, when you go to church, you say, where you go to church at? Well, I go to Solid Rock Church. Who's your pastor? My pastor's Larry Rag. I'm telling you, this is shocking to some of y'all, but I've, this has happened to me multiple times. The others that, that, are, that are not planted and not rooted goes like this. Where you go to church? Well, you know, I, I, my whole family has, you know, I was born at, down there at the first church and. uh you know, I've been my, my great grandfather's Sunday school superintendent, and uh, you know, and we, uh, you know, I go down there. That's where me and my family go down there. Well, who's your pastor? What do you always know by this response? Well, we just got a new preacher. His uh, our, our preacher, 
my preacher's name is, uh, this happened to me. I think, I think it's John. I think it's John. He ain't been there for a couple weeks, but that's, that's my preacher. That's my preacher. He, he's pretty good. I think he's going to work out this. I think this one's going to work out. What? What? How you got a spiritual father? We got a bunch of, oh my God, I need, I need help, Lord. I need help. I'm telling you, I would have got banned on YouTube, Facebook, and everything today. We got a bunch of kids in the house of God that don't have no clue who their baby daddy is. Huh? Look at your neighbor and tell, who's your daddy? Let me tell you something right now. I ain't talking about your physical daddy, and that matters. But let me ask you a question. Somebody say, this is us. Oh, that was weak. Somebody say, this is us. Who's your pastor? What's his name? Do you know who your spiritual daddy is? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This was not in my notes, but the Holy Spirit telling me to pause for a minute. Because where we're going, you're going to have to understand something. If you know me at all, if you have followed my ministry at all, you've been coming here at all, you know this about me. I am not one of them prima donna preachers. I, I, I work when other folks in church won't even work. I don't need nobody to wipe my sweat, and I don't want to run your life, and I ain't setting up no kingdom here. But you got to know I'm your spiritual father before we go any further. You, I cannot be your preacher. I cannot even just be the pastor of your church. Because I'm going to say some things now and in the future as we go through this that's going to shake you to the core. And it's going to challenge you. And it's going to, you're going to find out how deep your roots go. But if I am your spiritual father, you are going to have a teachable spirit about you. But if I'm not your spiritual father, the spirit of offense is going to probably come on you and you're not going to be able to handle it. I promise you this, I'll never, ever, ever, ever say anything to beat you up. I'll only build you up. Are you hearing me? But I'm not going to promise you that I'm not going to step on your toes. If I do, it will be in love to challenge you and to stretch you. You see, I got that on my hand to remind me of what the Lord said to this church. It's time to stretch. Now, I'm going to ask you a question again. Do you know who your pastor is? Yes. Do you know who your spiritual father is? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Do you re are you ready to go where God wants you to go? Yes. Are you ready to be what God wants you to be? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? We're just going to take a pause or a praise break. Get up on your feet. Come on. Come on. Just give him praise. For just, I ain't through preaching. Just praise him right now. 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 For what you know is coming in your life. Praise him right now. For what you know is coming in your life. Sit down. You shall be like a tree. You know what the very first sermon I ever preached, ever in my pastoral ministry 30 years ago, sitting in the living room of my father-in-law's house on a bar stool for my pulpit, this is irony. This is God. 
My first sermon I ever preached as a pastor was titled, What Kind of Tree Are You? And I preached about different types of trees and how different types of trees stand the test of time. And here I am. The church is 25 years old, but I've been pastoring the pastoral ministry for 30 years. So I go back now and I realize the more things change, the more they stay the same. God is bringing me back to some things that I put on a shelf and I've had to repent by God and God's been telling me pull down your old Bibles start looking at your notes in the margin of the old Bibles start trying to hear the way you used to hear me you have lost something Larry along the way but it's time for it to come back God almighty I could preach another two hours Let me tell you something, not only do you need to be like a tree planted, but it makes sure to say, make sure you're planted by something moving. Yes. Be planted by a river. How many knows the day that a river stops moving, it's no longer a river? I don't care how low it is. I don't care if it looks like it ain't moving. I don't care if it dries up at the shoals where you live and you're looking all around the rocks, you don't see nothing moving. If you, if you really get down there and pull a rock up, put a little, drop a little leaf on there, I got news for you. If it's still a river, something's moving. See, ponds are a body of water. And some people are confused. I just need to be planted by water. As long as I can look out and my, my limbs are flowing and I see, well, look at me. I'm right by water. But here's something about water. If you don't have an inlet to that pond to keep that pond filling up when it rains, that pond will eventually dry up, especially in Alabama in the summer months. But then as it goes below any source of water coming in, fresh water all the time, that beautiful pond that you, that you built a pier around, that you used to go out and sit on your little swing that you built out there and say, my God, this is the life. I got a house on this beautiful pond. One day you go out there and you're sitting on it and you say something like this. What is that smell? And all the fish are dying. And pond scum is everywhere. See, that's the problem. This is why people's leaving the church by droves. Because when they come to the church, they're expecting to see rivers of living water. But they, they're coming and finding buildings full of pond scum. Ain't nothing moved in that house in years. Nobody, no, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody praised in that house in years. Can I just be real with you? I believe, I've always said this, and ain't no way I know this, because Jesus clearly said, no man knows the day nor the hour, but just knowing how cool this would be, not cool, probably not cool, but how ironic this would be, I just got this in my mind that Jesus is going to come back on a Sunday. I just got that in my mind. I, that, that's, not, that's just my opinion. They're going to come back on a Sunday, and, and here's the problem. Some churches will never know it. They'll never even know what happened. They'll start getting things, updates on their social media. They'll be like, bzz, 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 bzz. I mean, everybody, what's going on? 
Somebody's missing. Amber alert, amber alert, amber alert, amber alert. I mean, they're, they're just getting blown out. Like, what's going on out there? They're, they're, they're having their little ecumenical moment. They don't even know Jesus come back. Because Jesus, the Bible says, come back after church is without spot and blemish and someone that's looking for him. And if you're looking for him, you're going to praise him. If you're looking for him, you're going to read his word. If you're looking for him, you're going to serve God. If you're looking for him, come on, somebody. I'm preaching like a wild man. You better be planted by something that's moving. Look at your neighbor telling him, this church is moving. Got to hurry. I'm hungry just like you. For Jesus, what are y'all talking about? I'm hungry for more of Jesus. This is what Paul said. Mm, don't you love Paul? Paul had a revelation. I tell you what, that blow your mind. This is what Paul said in Colossians chapter two, verses six through eight. And as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, watch what happens when you walk in Him. Verse seven: rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Here's the key: as you have been taught. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Beware, verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, you got no excuse not to be rooted. This is what he was saying to the church at, uh, what is it, Colossia, Colossian church. He was saying, not just me, but multiple teachers have been equipping you for the work of the ministry. Don't come to me saying, I didn't know what to do when the storms came. You were told. When I quoted our Lord and Savior, that the kingdom of heaven is like a man that built his house on either the sand or the rock. If you built your, sand, your house on the rock, we have equipped you with the ability to be able to handle, to handle the storms and your house will stand. But the reason your house, your tree, because heaven knows the same thing that a foundation and roots have in common is they're both underground. They're both unseen. They're both things that you have to take care of before you ever go up and everybody else can see you. See, we want everybody to see us and see what God is doing in our life. But your talent and your gift will take you places that your character, your integrity, and your testimony can't keep you. What does that mean? That means you spring up and you got all this beauty. But people keep wondering why you keep getting knocked over. And they'll say things like, what a shame. What a waste of talent. Am I preaching right? What a shame. What a waste of talent. But here's what the Lord said. They're no more talented than you. You are perceiving. You are. I'm about to get deep on y'all. You are reacting to the leaves of the tree. 
You know how we identify most trees? Now, some people are really good, like, like my father-in-law. He's, he's the tree expert. He can look at bark and tell you what kind of tree it is. If, even if I had a book with pictures, I still couldn't tell you. But, but the few trees that I know, I identify those trees from a distance when the leaves are on. Or when the leaves start turning in the fall and start falling off. And how many of us, we're enamored by the leaves. We equate the changes of the seasons by the leaves. But the trees stand there saying, y'all keep talking about what I do in the spring and what I do in the fall. There ain't nobody caring about what I do in between. See, y'all don't even take pictures of me and look at me in the winter. When I ain't got a leaf on me, you don't think nothing about me. Nobody's taking selfies in front of an a, a, a old winter, gray-looking, leafless tree. But the tree is saying, do you know what? Whether you think I have talent and beauty or not, I am still growing. you got to be able to grow in winter just like you grow in springtime. Are you hearing me? And that ain't tied to your leaves. And that ain't tied to what people see. That is tied to how you are planted. My God, I'm preaching. And you've been taught, right? And to what Paul, how many of those in this house you've been taught? Well, the greatest example of this in my last 10 minutes that I got is the redwood tree. Now, if you hadn't read my book yet, then what's wrong with you? But if you have read my book, you know I got a chapter in my book called The Redwood King. And I talk about David, but I talk about an event when a backslidden teenage boy raised in church had turned away from God. I was the jock. I was backslidden all this. So this, is, this was not spiritual to me at that time. But God knew what he was doing. Through an event in my life, I was able to go to California and I was able to see the redwood forest. How many in here has ever seen the redwood trees? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, those that got your hands up, and you will be my witness. There's no picture, there's no video, there's no documentary could ever prepare you for what you see when you walk up to that. Am I right? It is unbelievable. I want you to imagine for just a moment, multiple trees. This is going to, going to sound possible. You see that whole length of that maroon curtain there from that side to right here? Two, maybe two and a half, two and a half times as wide as that section of curtains. 350 feet high. In fact, I love to use this little video clip. Let's get ready to fire it. Because this is, before this person made this video, actually it's a picture that he stitched together, you'll see. No human being, and to this day, there is still no technology in cameras that is able to take a picture of a full redwood. It is an impossibility. No matter how wide the angle of the, of the lens is, you can video it, of course, but it is impossible even to this day 
to take a single picture of a redwood from the base to the top. So watch this video. I want to show you something. And as you watch this video, I want you to start looking for little yellow dots and little red dots as they go up because those are people. Turn it up. Turn the sound up. National Geographic has a long history with the redwood trees. You see that little person standing there? I want you to watch this. We photographed 300 foot Watch tall, for the colors. Watch for the people. 1,500 year old tree that survived being cut. And it's the scientists that study these trees, this is their favorite tree. It's the most complex architectural tree on earth that's known. But photographing it is nearly impossible. raising cameras up into the canopy. We made it mechanized. We put three cameras on a dolly. There's a gyroscope. You drop it slowly down, and all of a sudden, we're making a photograph. So what are you going to do is you're going to build a tree out of lots of pictures. We took 84 widest lenses available, stitched together to take the picture of one tree. And that pales in comparison to what we look like in the kingdom of God to the devil when we are planted by rivers of living water. But how many of those, before that tree was that tree, they say thousands of years ago. And all those others that survived, they said was, many scientists say, were almost that big even in the time of the dinosaurs. And here's the thing. By far, the biggest redwoods that existed were cut down. They have pictures of redwoods that, was, that dwarfed that one. That in the 1800s, they cut down and made into furniture and all of this. Much bigger than these trees. They said some of them were close to 425 feet, 450 feet high. But they're gone. And every one of them, get ready. Every one of them started with a seed. Look at the redwood seed. That is a redwood seed. Small enough to put on the edge of your finger. Leave that up there. I want you to get that in your spirit, man. What you just saw thousands of years ago was planted in the ground like that. Is that mind-boggling? That's why Jesus said in the Word of God, despise not the day of small beginnings. That's why he said the kingdom of heaven is like a man that went forth to sow seed. Everything started as a seed. Every blessing you've ever received from God started as a seed. Can I tell you something? You prayed for a husband. God sent you a husband. You prayed for a wife. God sent you a wife. But before your wife was a wife, before your husband was a husband, they had to be a man. They had to grow into a woman. But before there was a man and before there was a woman, they had to be a girl and they had to be a boy. And before there was a girl and there was a boy, they had to start out as a seed. So your family, your children, your grandchildren, 
your blessings, your financial blessings, your house, your job, your car. If you're able to see big picture, you'd roll it all the way back and you'd begin to see things in your life, how God had to plant this seed, to plant that seed, for this to happen, for that to happen, for this to happen, for that to happen. And then boom, all of a sudden you're claiming the blessings of God in your life and you've forgotten all the things that had to be put in place to bring you your blessings. I'm going to show you something real quick. The next thing you notes, I'm, I'm hurrying. The tree doesn't exist. A tree does not exist without roots. And roots do not exist without a seed. Put that seed. I, 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 leave that up there for a second. And then right, and right after we take that down, I want you to put that seed back up. Give them time. Then put that seed back up. Because here's the one. you got to understand something. Inside that seed is a 350 foot high tree. But before it ever even broke the ground, the seed divided and began to work unseen. Developing before that little green sapling came up. And you're able in the natural to say, well, look, my tree is coming up. If the tree could talk, the future tree, the tree in the process could talk. The tree would say this to you. I understand you're excited by what you see, but I've been growing for a while. I've been preparing myself for this moment. You're going to be surprised by what I'm going to become because what I'm going to become is what you can see in the natural. But I've known all along what I was supposed to be because I allowed myself to be planted. And as I was dividing and growing a root system, I was being reminded, hold on, what you're doing is very, very important for the future because you're going to go so high. The most important part of that tree is beneath the ground. Now watch this. The last thing you got to hear is this. You <laughs> sound like one of them TV preachers when I say this. If you want to learn more about Redwoods, get a copy of my book. <laughs> but everything I learned about a Redwood, do you know where I learned it? I didn't learn it from any, I never heard a preacher preach on it. I never read a book on it. I was so enamored by it. I went to the, the United States Park website. The government park has all the, the national parks. And I went to the National Redwood Forest Park page. You can go there yourself and research it and read it. And that's when I learned the most fascinating things about redwoods. I learned that, in, can you imagine the amount of water that it needs to, to keep that kind of tree alive? Listen to this. How can this tree have so much water? It says, it is built into the system. There is a constant upward flow of water from the roots to the topmost part of the tree. Scientists have discovered that water molecules, listen to this, interact with the sides of the capillary tubes. That is the plumbing of the tree and creates and carries the water and nutrients up the tree. This interaction creates a bond that literally drags the water column up with it. At the same time, the water is evaporating from the leaves 
And as it evaporates from the leaves at the top, this creates a vacuum that keeps the pull coming. At some point, the attraction and the tree's suction is no longer strong enough to maintain the column of water with the result that the tree has reached its maximum height. Now watch this. This is powerful. Scientists and researchers estimate, I'm reading directly from their website, that a mature tree, redwood, requires hundreds of gallons of water per day. And for this reason, the roots have to have a major supply of water. Y'all ready for this? Redwood trees thrive in the river bottoms where there's obviously access to lots of groundwater. But here's the key. These giant trees also, oh, y'all can't even handle this, make their own rain. See, you already knew that if you read my book. You're telling on yourself right now. Those are going, what? Shocking. You ain't read my book. You know how they do it? They do it out of the fog. The moisture in the air condenses between the leaves and begins to drip down to the root zone of which then the roots feed it back up. It is believed that one of the reasons the redwood trees have adapted to their great height is because the higher the tree, the more moisture it actually provides for itself. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. My God, and the reason they thrive along the northern California Pacific coast is because that area is one of the foggiest, mistiest areas in all of North America. Somebody say the FOG. Next thing we notice is this, SRC lives in the FOG. SRC lives in the FOG. What is the FOG? Somebody tell me what does it stand for? favor of God. Somebody shout the fog it's rolling in, baby. Y'all didn't say baby. So I'm finishing. I'm finishing. It's 12 o'clock. I'm finishing. Watch this. So let the storms come. Let the winds blow. We'll just pull the rain out and feed us. Let the wind come. It'll just bring in more fog. Come on, somebody. We Woo, let me say this right. I don't need nothing from Washington, D.C. to survive. I don't need anything from Montgomery, Alabama to survive. I got news for you. I'm going to say it as plain as I can. You can't give me nothing to keep me alive. I have been planted in the Word of God, and if ever one of you turns your back on me, ah, though no go, none go with me, yet will I serve Him. Come on. Yet will I trust in Him. Come on. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Because I've been planted. Somebody shout, we're planted. Somebody shout, this is us. Our roots are connected. Finn, that's your last note. That's a, our roots are connected because here's the thing. Watch this, watch this, watch this. If you, if you build a skyscraper that's a hundred stories high, then you may know this, the foundation that's underneath that skyscraper is almost as deep as it is high. Because it's got to be able to handle the weight of that structure. So when I studied the redwoods, I thought, these have got to be the deepest roots 
of any tree that's ever existed. And it blew my mind again. The average depth of a 350-foot redwood tree is six feet deep. It's ironic to me. Six is the number of man. Six feet is how deep it is when they bury us. A lot of preaching I could do right there. But what happens? Sick, how, how can, God, that's so top heavy. I saw, I read that, I said, how is it standing? Six feet deep, that's it. Then I learned that they go out over 250 feet wide. A hundred minimum to over 250 feet in every direction. And as they go in every direction, how many knows there's a tree right next to them? Every time their roots go out, and cross the roots of another tree, this is fact, underground where nobody can see, the roots begin to fuse together. And then the next one fuses together. And then the next one fuses together. You know what that means? That means the reason the redwoods have lasted as long as they are is because the entire forest is one root ball. Every tree is holding up every other tree. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Come on, somebody. Every one of them. When one is really getting hit, the others just hold him back and say, that's all right, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. You ain't going nowhere. I got you. Shout, this is us. That's the power of us. Quit being about this is me. What's in it for me? Start thinking about what's my place in us? How can I hold my brother up? How can I encourage my brother? How can I lift my brother? How can I empower my brother? How can I equip somebody else? Maybe to even do the thing that I want to do. Because what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. So my favorite tree that I found was this tree that in the 1800s, somebody went in there and bored the inside out. There was still four to six feet on both sides of this tunnel. And you could drive through this tree and stop and take a picture. We had an old late 70s suburban, full-size suburban with big mirrors on the side. We pulled those mirrors in and drove, still was able to drive that Suburban inside the base of that tree and take a picture. It's the most iconic tree of all of them because that's where everybody goes. They want to take a picture with their car inside the tree. I literally cried. I actually cried. When a few years ago, I was watching the news and there had been so much rain in California that it came on the news, the iconic tree that had the tunnel in it, had fell over and, and was laying on its side. It stood there for thousands of years. And this is what the man on the news said. The only reason that this tree fell and none of the others did in this storm is because man had dug out part of 
who it was supposed to they didn't say these words but dug out the part of the tree that was the strongest part of the tree and when I heard that I thought my God that's what happens to us we are built by in the kingdom to stand against any storm but when we allow other people to hollow us out and dig us out we cannot stand when the storms come that's why we need each other to fill in the gaps look at your neighbor and tell them I need you so this morning you know I started to apologize for the time I don't care but this morning I remember what I said last week about the rubber band you remember that I wrapped one around my wrist I said God so many times Christians have worn these little things around their wrist, WWJD and Jesus loves you and all that, and I ain't got nothing against it. Let's be real. The words on it, we always made sure that we turned it to where everybody else could see it. And I think that the creators wanted it turned towards us to remind us, but we wanted to be so proud, you know, showing off our Jesus t-shirts or Jesus band. We wanted everybody to know that we're wearing a WWJD to put them under conviction. So really, we wore the braces, not, bracelets not for us. We wore it to show other people. That's why I put words on it. So somebody could come up and read it. We could be so proud of our Christianity. Hey, I'm wearing a WWJD. That's right, I'm a Christian. I said, I want, Lord, I, said, I want you to wrap that band around your wrist. Black, solemn, nothing on it. When you look at it, it's for you, son nobody else it's for you it's to remind you I'm not through with you I'm going to stretch you till you breathe your last breath when you put it on your wrist you're telling me that you're ready to be stretched how many is ready to be stretched you better be careful you better be careful you better be careful is ready to be what God wants you to be. Say amen. So here's my question. Why ain't you ever even going through the growth track? Why ain't you even joined the church yet? Why hadn't you went up to Pastor Sandy or Amy and said, I don't want to sit on a pew. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus because God's about to send thousands of people to this house and every single breathing human being in this place needs to be on the leadership team. Every single one of you. You really want to be in? I'm going to say this with love. You can't say that with your mouth and then also say to God, I'm not going to serve. I need me time. What you said is, God, I want to serve you, but this is me. That's what God hears. He doesn't hear, I want to serve you. He hears, this is about me. So would you stand to your feet all over this house? For just a moment, for about 30 seconds, I'm not going to say a word. I want you to ask yourself. It's between, don't be talking. This is time for you to ask yourself. If you're ready to serve, if you're willing, not that you think you're capable, not that you think you're even 
able of doing it. But if you are at a place where you're saying, God, I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I'm ready to serve you any way you want me to serve you. During those 30 seconds, that's your time. And if you tell the Lord, I am ready. Maybe I'm not actually ready, but I'm declaring that I want to be ready to serve you. Whatever you've got to do to equip me, I want to be there. I'm ready to get off the bench. At the end of those 30 seconds, I'm going to invite everybody that's ready to come up to this altar and grab you one of these rubber bands, put it on your wrist, and make a commitment to wear it, to work, to school, to Walmart, wherever you go. Put it where your keys are. Put it where your wallet is. So when you pick up your ritualistic things that you do in the morning, you pick up your rubber band. You put it on your wrist. You say, Lord, remind me all through the day today what you're doing in my life. But it's also a reminder to get your heart ready for what God's about to bring to this house. Let's talk to God. You got somebody in your family that couldn't be here because of sickness or work that you know would have come up here, you want to take home to them. 
They'll be up here after service. Take some home with you for those that you know would want to do it. Now listen, church. Do you feel something? Do you feel that this is different? There's something different in this house. You know what I see? I see a forest of redwood trees that stands taller than any obstacle that will be able to stand against any attack that comes against your family. I see you raising children who are strong. I see some of you having a talk with your kids and your grandkids and putting a rubber band on them at some point in their life and saying, baby, let me tell you something, what I did one day in church. It was something as simple as putting a rubber band on me, but it represented when I decided to sell out to God, to stop talking about it. And I want you to know that God can do something in my life, baby. I want to put this on your hand and tell you what it means. God can do something in your life. So church, let's tie our roots together. Find a hand with a rubber band on it and join with them. Come on. Don't nobody standing by themselves. Get in here. Get in with somebody else. Find somebody. If you can, put your hand on the same hand where the rubber band is. If you can. If you can't, that's okay. Let's tie the roots together right now. And tell you what we're going to declare. No storm will ever take one of us down. Because when one of us hurt, we will all hurt. When one of us rejoices, we will all rejoice. When one of us gets a raise, we won't be jealous, we'll be happy for them. When somebody's got a nicer house than us, we won't badmouth them. We will rejoice and be proud for them. Because we are in this together. Ties together. Father, in the name of Jesus. As we touch and agree and join our hands, Lord, make us as the great mighty redwoods. Lord, it's ironic that the roots are only six feet deep. The depth of a man. Meaning that if men would just come together, <laughs> if men could just unite together, that mankind could handle anything so God we join in hands we join in spirit we join in vision this is us God say it this is us say we are us Father we thank you Lord that we will pray for each other we will be at each other's weddings we will be there when our babies are born we will be there when we lose our loved ones. No longer will the pastor and the elders and the prayer team be relied upon to minister to the body. We are the body. We will minister to the body. We accept the responsibility to love and to care for those in this house. When we miss someone, we're going to call the office and tell them how long has it been since somebody's been to church. We as a body we'll take it upon ourselves. We take personal responsibility. For you have called us to greatness in your kingdom.
We are planted. We are one. We are rooted. In Jesus' name. Somebody give him a praise right now. You'll never forget this day. You'll never forget this day. You'll tell your kids about this day. service if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior all you got to do is say Jesus forgive me of my sin give you everything that's in me. I've poured out myself to you. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say to you. I don't know how to, another way to say you've got to open your eyes. We cannot miss this moment. God wants to do something. He wants to bring revival to this house true revival we need you we need you to go all in do you hear me I love you I hope you know I love you but I'm going to do what God's telling me to do it's up to you whether you do what God's telling you to do
Father, let us never be the same. Let us walk out of this place today changed. Let us open our eyes, God. Let the scales of the problems of our lives, our inadequacies, judgments that were spoken over us fall from our eyes today. Lord, help us to see the world differently, see our families differently, our lives, our jobs, our destinies, our talents are known differently. Lord, let us know it's more than a preacher's line. We have truly come to the kingdom for such a time as this, God. We have declared with our mouth, we have rejoiced, we have praised, and we have sung and exalted you, God. And we say to you, God, send the harvest. Send the harvest. Send the harvest. Send the harvest. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Give him a shout of praise. Come on. Give him a shout of praise. Hey. Glory to God. My God. How do you go home? But we got to go home. We have an open house. You might fall out in the power of God while you're meeting the teachers. I don't know. You're dismissed. I'm done. Pastor has left the building.